When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Josh Whittacombe. And I'm Rob Beckett. Welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell, the show in which Rob and I discuss what it's like to be a parent during lockdown, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, in an effort to make some kind of sense of the current situation... And to make me feel better about my increasingly terrible parenting skills... Each episode will be chatting to a famous parent about how well they're coping. Or hopefully not. And we will be hearing from you, the listener, with your tales of lockdown parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, none of us know what we're doing. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell with... That is Freddy, who is three years old. His favourite toy is a little, nasty, cheap children's keyboard. The moment my wife bought it home last year, I knew it was a big mistake, and sure enough, two months into lockdown, the thing was driving me around the bend. Not sure which is worse, the incessant loop of the demo tracks or the infernal ding made from smashing the keys in a random order to his heart's content. I know I should be encouraging him, to develop his confidence in musical abilities, but enough was enough. With the dumps being shut and the charity shops not taking donations, I had to think long and hard how to get rid of it. One evening, I left it in my neighbour's recycling bin. Oh! As, as I walked home, the feeling of elated relief turned into guilt. How could I crush his dreams like this? I went to turn it back to retrieve the toy, but then was too afraid that the bin might be contaminated with coronavirus. <laughs> oh, God! Yeah, that's the breeding ground inside a bin with no one in it. <laughs> I prayed he wouldn't notice, but like clockwork, he came and asked where it was the following morning. I told him that they don't make batteries for it anymore, so he had to send it back. He was so distraught for three days, and I felt so bad, I ended up ordering him a new keyboard online. Oh, no. It's bigger, it's louder, and it was more expensive. And even worse, it has more demo songs on it. <laughs> that is from George. You can't rush sadness, No, I found with kids. You just have to put up with your awful life until it slowly gets better. You can't rush it. You can't, because it just makes it worse. Yeah, I saw, it was the day after Boxing Day this year, so December the 27th, and I, there's an Oxfam just down the road from me, and I walked past, and there was a big children's keyboard just propped up on the wall at Oxfam. And I thought, what is the story of that? That was, that was a Christmas present less than 48 hours ago. Yeah. What has that child done? that has led their parent to leave that outside an Oxfam within 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, because also it's going to rain, it's bad weather. It's going to ruin, you know, people just panic and dump it outside the shop. Yeah. You, have you ever been to an Oxfam or like a charity shop in a posh area? I was at a meeting round by Marlebone, yeah. around that oh, area, yeah. West, like a proper yeah. old school sort of rich area in London. And I went past a shop and they had a Gucci jumper for 250 quid. <laughs> I mean, it's a great saving. They're normally about 800 or a grand. But yeah. I was like, who's 
buying second-hand Gucci jumpers from Oxfam. To, I just didn't. <laughs> I just didn't know who's going in there because surely, if you're if you want a Gucci jumper, you're madly rich that you don't really yeah. care that it costs a grand. Yeah, and anyone that sort of wants to save up and get one, I mean, you could get a second-hand one, but it isn't getting something high end like the experience of going to like a Selfridges as a special event to go and buy a bag or a jumper, not just like oh yeah, I was I was in here for you know vinyls. I'll buy. <laughs> I was having a look through the VHSs, nostalgia reasons, and I think I might pop, pop that hoodie on for 250 an old autobiography of Des Lynham, and then I'll get a Gucci <laughs> yeah. jumper. It's ridiculous. That's got to be, you have made it. If you're doing your clear-out bag and you pop a Gucci jumper in there, <laughs> stick it on eBay, you lunatic. No, that's, I tell you what that is, mate. That's, that's a couple that have broken up. Someone's left the Gucci jumper at the other one's house. Oh, yes. That is, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes I like I love you know being in a happy relationship, but I do sort of think like the fun of like revenge you could get if you actually broke up with someone, stuff like that. Like you really let your imagination go mad, just like I'm just going to get every art of my clothes and give them to Oxfam because you couldn't go in and claim it back, could you? No. If you're on the end of that, no. Go, excuse me. My wife came in here with a Gucci jumper, the one that's in the window for three hundred quid. I I didn't okay that, so it's technically <laughs> theft, and your hand is stolen good. That's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's like that situation if you need to tip, but like you've only got a tenner or whatever. And you're like, yeah. And it's four quid or whatever. And you're like, am I going to ask for a change on this? Yeah. It's all very awkward. I, I massively tipped the other day by accident. Um, I bought some like jerk chicken from a market stall. Yeah. And it was like, I thought he said 1850, mm. but he said 1150, and I gave him 20 quid and we keep the change. <laughs> And when did Looking you realize? Looking like an absolute baller. About an hour later, I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> eight quid. Eight, eight pounds fifty. And I was like, I could have oh. got another portion of chicken wings and still tip four quid. And I'd, I'd have had more food and still look like a legend. <laughs> um, how's your week been, Rob? I mean, the heat wave last week was just outrageous. It was unbear. My children didn't go to. to how was your daughter sleeping? What was her? Was she the same? So we've got we bought an aircon two years ago unit that like a portable one or one on the wall properly. No, like in. a portable one. Yeah. Do you remember? Was it 20, 2018, Wasn't it that absolutely? Oh, the, yeah. uh, the, oh, the World Cup. Yeah, that period. Greatest summer of our lives. So we bought that. It's portable, but it's portable in the way the heaviest thing in your house, in the way a sofa is portable. Yeah, yeah. Like a car is without tyres. It's technically portable, <laughs> yeah. but you don't want to move it. So it sits in her room all year and then probably gets, what, five days of run out every, every <laughs> yeah. year? Like Meza Ozil. Yeah. <laughs> so it's... It just sits there, and she's scared of it. So you, you can't have it on at night. What's the point of it? But you could have cooled the room down. Do a quick blast of cool down Fair before enough. she goes to sleep, and that that's got us away with it. I think we may have to invest in that because basically the front of the house um, doesn't get that hot, but the back of the house gets like red hot, like it's like it's like Torquay in our back garden. The way the sun <laughs> comes down. I've never known a hotter garden in the UK. But yeah, basically they just went feral and they're just, they were like, so for five days they were surviving on about five hours sleep. Like, it's like two little thatchers in my house. Just no one sleeping. <laughs> so it, it all came to a head on Saturday. Two little Margaret Thatchers. This woman's not for sleeping. Just tearing around the house. They've been going preschool though, but preschool's four hours. So it's not quite enough to tire them out, but it's enough to G them up. Do you know what I mean? Like oh. get them, and they come home blood red because they're in this sort of like 
It's like a like a little scout hut sort of building with a garden and they go off to like forest school, but it's like 30 degrees and kids don't think of the consequences of running all day. Yeah, do they? And then no. they come home and their head's dripping with sweat. Their eyes are all bulging and they don't want to eat because they're hot. Anyway, they were fine. It got to Saturday. And then I went around my brothers, um, sat in the garden and they'd not seen their cousins. So they were madly excited about seeing their cousins because uh, of lockdown. And then they came home. And then I had a few friends come around to sit in the garden. And then they love attention so much, my daughters. It's, it's awful. I, they're basically me and I'm in denial about it. <laughs> We had a little school report thing come back and said she likes telling jokes and she sets up little theatres to perform puppet oh, plays at the rest. No. And I was just like, oh God. And I personally, you know, some people would love it if their kids were like that. I'm like, please do anything else. I don't. I feel like a boxer or a criminal. I've done this, so you don't have to <laughs> go and study. Be a barrister. You don't have to live this life. Oh, you're going to be, in 20 years, you're going to be sat in a small room in Edinburgh watching your oh, daughter's Edinburgh show. I tell you what, like, they can be whatever they want. I don't care what they end up doing. I don't care who they marry. I don't care what sexual. I don't care about, you know, all the kind of things that horrible parents disown their children for. I don't care. But if they join a sketch troupe, I'm having nothing to do with them. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sitting there watching my two daughters in Edinburgh in the skin blisters, sisters, <laughs> crazy, wacky sketch group. So I don't know it. I don't know anything, Josh. Comedy, I know and understand, and I think I'm good at it, and I, and I can do that, right? So I don't want them to do that because I'll keep telling them what to do all the time. I want them to go off and be a doctor or a barrister where I can just go, yeah, you're right. I don't know anything. Good luck. I'm here for you if you need it. When she's 18 and she goes, that money you're saving for university, I want to go and study improv in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's quite interesting. Ruby Wax, his husband's Ed By, the di- yeah. director of Bottom and yeah. things like that. And um, he, his two uh, daughters are in a sketch group. And he went up to watch them in Edinburgh with Ruby. Yeah. Wax has done like comedy and theatre shows and stuff. And then they were watching. And then at the end, they was like, oh, have you thought about doing this or doing that? And they just went, you don't, stop telling us what to do. I was like, he's literally directed Bottom. Like, if you want... <laughs> Someone to tell you how a double act works or a sketch group works. It's them. But anyway, so they, they keep performing and they all my friends come like round and then they were stood in the middle. We've got like a corner sofa outdoor seating area with a table on it. But it's quite a low, it's like a coffee table size table. She yeah. stood on it, right? The oldest stood on it saying, right, it's time for the show. Phones off, everyone. Phones <laughs> down, right? And then just started performing, but not to the people, just to her own reflection in the window, oh, right? Wow. Anyway, so this was going off. She was screaming and she was so tired. And I said, just go upstairs, right, and just have your iPad and just rest for a bit. And she was like, oh. and she's losing her voice, Josh. She spoke so much. She cut, she's like, oh, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to <laughs> miss out on people. So she came back down. The youngest, the two-year-old, is exhausted at this point, came and just laid on me, but like, passed out immediately like she was either drunk or seriously ill right and now she's just she's never done this ever and I was like I was having to do that thing you see if her chest is still breathing she was so out of it right so then she's on my lap the other one's screaming and crying and running around because she's all amped up screaming in everyone's face and I'm trying to like have a conversation with the adults that are there and then the the youngest wakes up on me and cries a bit and goes oh oh," and then cuddles into me and then I realize she's not had a nap for about year and a half, right? She don't do naps, yeah. yeah? And she's potty trained, but not at night. She wears a nappy. So she woke up, cried a bit, started pissing, pissed all over me. <laughs> Complete. I'm on the sofa. Oh, my completely God. Completely covered me in piss. But, like, not just a little bit out. I'm talking, like, a bucket worth. 
And it like I my shirt was wet, my shorts was wet. She was soaking wet all the way down from sweat uh. and wee. And then I carried her, and she was still pissing on me. We got to the toilet. The sofa was covered in piss. Oh my god! Did, how did you react? Did you keep your cool? I just went. She's pissing, and all my mates were in the garden laughing at me, right? Because I've got her on my lap <laughs> in the front room. I've got her up and put her into to bed, but they were just manic. They were just like at like wild animals, but then. That we went to bed early because it got a bit cooler on Saturday night. They went a bit a bit earlier and then they slept in till seven and they've just started to catch up and sleep again. But they were all, and I, and then and I was so stressed by it, Josh. I got drunk, really drunk, because yeah. Lou had come back from her friends and I'd had them on my own because Lou. Uh, there was other people yeah. there, but Lou was, and I got so pissed that I went to bed at three a.m. on Saturday night and then I woke up and then I couldn't function all day and then I had a nap yesterday. Guess what time I had a nap? Seven p.m. till ten p.m. Seven p.m. till ten. What? I, I put them down. I put the kids to bed and when I laid in my bed, shut my eyes, woke them up. It was 10 o'clock. Oh my God. What did you do at 10 p.m.? I panicked. I come downstairs and I tried to make a coffee because in my head, we were supposed to be doing this podcast. Because <laughs> I'd had three hours. The night before, I'd only had five hours sleep anyway. So I was all over the place. But today oh I'm, I'm, I'm back in the game. Back but in it the was game. Just awful. You've got to get an aircon, mate. Well, a big thing that can just do the whole upstairs. Ours just does her room, which is actually quite galling when you're still in a boiling room yourself. Yeah, well, but what we could do maybe is cool her room down and then put it in the hallway and let it do the upstairs. Wait, it's, it, it's so heavy. It's so heavy. <laughs> it's like... Um, um, but yeah, sorry for sort of just ranting about that. But it was, no, just, it was just horrific. It's horrific absolutely, uh, it's absolutely what we're here for. Oh, the other thing that they do, um, the eldest, when she goes, right, it's time for the show. It's time for my show. It's time for my show. And she says her name. She goes, right, I'm just going to go and get her. So she <laughs> pretends to be her own MC, and then she comes around with ice creams, pretending that she's she's playing about four characters. Oh wow! So, so has she been to the theatre? Yeah, so we've taken her to the theatre a few times and stuff. And so I think she's seen people walking around with the signs that say no phones. Ah. So she's took that in. And also it's quite, when you get told by an adult, like at the theatre, those people that say no phones are quite serious. And I don't think like toddlers ever see an adult being serious to them. Yeah. Yeah, she's really taken that on board. She's going to be like Chris Rock. Everyone's going to have to put their phones in a little bag. (laughs) Um, Do you want to hear from our listeners? Yes, please, Josh. It's the lockdown parody mailbag. But it's actually emails and there's no bag. Josh, we've had some new salty emails. We've got two unsalties and one salty. I thought this was dead and buried, but it looks like there is enough salt to go round from you, Josh. You know, TV's, you know, most likeable man has got a bit of a nasty side. But let's have a couple of unsalties. Okay. Okay, so I had the pleasure to meet Josh at the recording of QI in early 2018. I was a special guest brought on to race Josh in a sack race. I'd just beaten the world record in it, previously held by Mo Farah. As a bit of a gimmick, they made Josh race against me on a 10-metre track in the studio. As we lined up on the starting line, it was all fun and games until Sandy shouted, Go! It was as if a demon overtook Josh. He took off at a rate of knots with the winning line in sight. Luckily for my ego and record, he fell flat on his face at about the six metre mark. Do you remember this, Josh? Yeah, so this was, I genuinely, he was the world record holder at the sack race. Yeah. And I outpaced him for the first five metres. <laughs> I couldn't believe it was happening. But then I went too hard and I fell over in my sack and yeah. I almost broke my wrist. I like genuinely, you know, like you go on um, League of Their Own and you think, well, that's a show I might get injured on. I almost broke my wrist on QI. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
shows that you are very competitive, aren't you? I, yeah, it's a genuine issue I have to deal with in my own psyche. I didn't realise it till I got to know you more, but you are fiercely competitive in everything. It's awful. Sort of like a sport, you know, like the athletes where it sort of be, can ruin a vibe because someone's so competitive. Yeah. You do have, yeah. but you manage it well, but you, you have the potential. And I can imagine stood in a sack in a studio floor, you are peak competitive. Oh, mate, exactly. You're thinking this could be a huge moment in my life if I win this 10-metre sack race. Anyway, um, he said, after the recording, I approached Josh to have a photo and a quick chat. Although he had experienced a crushing and humiliating defeat in front of the nation, <laughs> he was as nice as pie and highly, and I stress this, highly unsalty. It oh. was briefly mentioned that he had not had a good night's sleep because he had a baby only weeks, possibly days previously. I hope that wasn't me giving an explanation for why I'd lost the sack race, because that is pathetic from me if I was going... I would say that is your competitive saltiness coming out there, but he's not seen that. that, that as a friend, that I noticed that, but that is you, Johnny. Awful from me. That is from yeah. you. Uh, well done, mate, with your world record in that, but I didn't get much sleep, actually. <laughs> I just had a kid, so I've got a child. Carry on in your little sack. That's what I'm getting from that. <laughs> Awful. Um, that goes down as salty. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that could go down as potentially salty. We've got another non-salty. Hi, guys. Just another story about meeting Josh and him not being salty at all. I work at a venue in Newcastle and Josh performed with us last year. Great gig. Afterwards, we asked if Josh would mind recording a short Instagram video for us in support of the theatre. Josh was an absolute pro, friendly and willing and delivered a great message on video completely off the cuff. So that is a that is a huge non-salty loving for you. It was lovely. It was a lovely day actually. I went to Newcastle. I went to St James's Park and watched Newcastle beat Man U one 0 Oh, that that was electric. It was brilliant. And then um, I was Ivo Graham was supporting me, and we were starting at eight o'clock, and he wanted to get the eight twenty six from Newcastle to London. That's not that's not acceptable professionally. But uh, five minutes before the show. The guy popped his head in the dressing room and he was like, a third of the people still haven't shown up and I've never laughed so much to see Ivo's face at that moment. <laughs> so it's a delayed start. Did he get his train? <laughs> he got his train. He did 18 minutes, which is unprofessional. That's not okay. That is unprofessional, Josh. So what time did he get off stage? Uh, 22 minutes passed and he managed to run it and get the train, which to be fair... I couldn't that's believe he achieved it. It was unbelievable. That's, a be that's a, the, the best victory of the day in Newcastle after them beating <laughs> Man United. The venue I did there, basically, the venues are lovely. The people are lovely, right? But the problem is, at the bar, all the drinks, you can only have no beer or two pints of beer what? in a massive cup. Because I think their idea is you buy that at the start of the show and you don't need one in the interval, yeah. uh... which is nonsense. Because what happens is people drink two pints and then in the interval, go and get another two pints. So the interval was taking, normally 20 minutes, was taking about half hour, 40 minutes. And they was all going, yeah, we can't work out why it takes long. I was like, is it because every drink literally takes twice as long to make because it's got two pints in a cup instead of one pint? So surely it just doubles the amount of time. And I was like, oh, yeah, now you put it like that. Everyone's desperate for a piss as well. The queues for the toilet must be unbelievable. Exactly. You can't. Anyway, so they do two pinters there. But I love, I love the crowd in Newcastle. They're lovely. Very, very different audiences. I do the opera house, you do the two-point place. Two-point place. <laughs> and my mum came with her mates that she's met in Spain. There was 24 of them, right? 
And I say to, I always, after a gig, I don't know about you, Josh, I like five minutes to just calm down a bit because they're big rooms, aren't they? It's like thousands of people laughing and, you yeah. know, and it's a bit of an adrenaline rush and you're so relieved that the gig's finished and it's gone well and all this emotion and you just, yeah. oh, you just like, if I just five minutes and then I'll go out and I said to my mum, go to a pub next door and then I'll come and meet you. And then that way I can manage it a bit more and I could just calm down a bit. Anyway, she found my tour manager. went, yeah, Rob wants to see us. But I came off stage, right, at, at 10 to 10, at eight minutes to 10, there was 24 people in there having selfies. I didn't know what was going on, right? There was 25 people in my dressing room. It's only small. I'm holding half a bottle of water. It's only bottle of water I've got left. My mum went, oh, give me that. I'm gasping. And drank my drink. <laughs> Anyway, th- that might have been a bit salty from me, but lovely time. Anyway, so here's a salty uh, Josh. Oh, no. Hi, um, my story starts with one of my best friends, Carl, um, who used to live with Josh. Oh, Carl. Yeah, Carl Walters, lovely bloke. Lived yeah. with him for a year. When was this? What age Not, was this? He wasn't very good at FIFA. Oh, that's a problem. So it was me, him and Tom Crane used to live together in Turnpike Lane, right? Yeah. When we moved him and Tom, we started a kind of game of fifa you know where you you play on the same team and you do the try and build up the leagues yeah, yeah. like go through the leagues we take a half each and he was such a liability oh, no so- fifa but we didn't have the guts to tell him that we used to wait till he'd gone to bed and then sneak back down to play without him oh that's oh that's awful that is awful. worse than salty <laughs> anyway let's, let's, we'll have to start a new chain um, no, but you, you've got to be aware snidey josh no he used to run his defenders out like, oh, just, no, so it's basic stuff, isn't it? Basic stuff, So you couldn't mate. even rely on him to grind out a nil-nil. No, exactly. Oh, you just on. see a centre-back, like, running at top speed in the wrong direction past the ball, and it was just... I couldn't... I, Do you know why you're a good you know fan, what? Josh? You let him go to bed. Lesser people would have been spiking his drink, so he slept. <laughs> Sleeping tablets crushed up, just so we could get, the, get a few hours in. Anyway, so... My story starts with one of my best friends, Carl, who used to live with Josh. He was really good mates with one of Josh's very good mates, Ian. They all lived together for a while in North London before going off to become parents. I went to a pre-Edinburgh show to see Josh, and the guy I was with was being a really annoying idiot during Josh's set. I went to apologise to Josh afterwards, but he understandably was salty with me. Ian informed me that Josh was really not happy with me at all. I got it, you know. I'd brought this idiot along who was heckling, so I didn't blame him. Anyway, fast forward to Latitude Festival, where I was going to meet up with Ian. Ian told me that Josh wasn't up for it when he found out it was me they were going to hang out with. Apparently, he said, no, just no. And Lisa's gone with salty as fuck. (laughs) This wasn't the end of the matter. Josh then seemed to be everywhere I went. I went to gigs at Brixton Academy. He was there. He spoke to everyone but ignored me. Josh, this is so salty. I don't remember. I saw him at Christmas carols in East London again. He spoke to friends cheerily, but blanked me. Oh my god! I saw him about. This is like sixth sense. You sure you're not dead? You're just a ghost. She's completely (laughs) blue. I saw him about six times in a year at various different places, and each time we did not speak. It became a huge source of amusement for my friends. Oh no! It came to a head at a Christmas party. (laughs) I mean. It, it feels like there's been a real narrative here that you don't know you're involved in. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it came to a head at a Christmas party hosted by Ian. Josh was there and I decided I needed to have it out with him to apologise once and for all for pissing him off that day. After some Dutch courage, I spoke to Josh and it became clear he had zero idea who I was. <laughs> it 
turns out that Ian had been on quite a big wind-up with me <laughs> and the universe had also decided to get involved. As you can imagine, this is rather embarrassing and I've managed not to bump into Josh since. Oh, wow. <laughs> So Ian, Ian's the troublemaker here. That is amazing. But also, oh my God, just the coincidence of repeatedly bumping into this person. Yeah. No idea. I. The worst thing is, I've got no idea who this person is. Yeah, most people heckle and interrupt your shows, don't they? <laughs> it's quite difficult for you to remember such an event. <laughs> yeah, they said they walked out. 15 people walked out that night. Don't remember it? Nah. Another day in the office for our oh. winners. Heckling at a preview as well. Oh, oh I don't even... But she I feel sorry for her because I know what it's like. You go somewhere with someone and if they're being an idiot and you and you're with you're associated with them, it's awful. So um bless her. But yeah, to be fair, Joe, I I think you're I don't there's not much saltiness coming in. That was that was fake new salt. Yeah, that was genuinely it felt like it was gonna be salty, but it was the quite opposite. Rob, we've got a request for what would Rob Beckett do? Always, always here. Don't be scared to use a device. The timeout step can be your ally. Don't be afraid to say no to your kids. No to your kids. No to your kids. No to your kids. It's okay to apologise as a parent. Apologise. 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 Never hit them, but don't let them think you won't. You're listening to WWRBD. What would Rob Beckett do? Okay, this is from Kimberly Halpin. My son is three and a half. And he is obsessed with his willy. I spend <laughs> I spend far too much of my time shouting, hands off your willy. To which he replies, but I love my willy. <laughs> which always, without a doubt, makes me laugh. I really thought it would be a good few years before this became an issue, to be honest. Yeah. I have no idea what to do to stop him, at least not have his hand on his willy for 90% of the day. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Well, they um, to stop kids biting nails, they put a horrible little, like, <laughs> cream on them, don't they, that makes taste <laughs> disgusting. So you yeah. could maybe just put that on his knob, but then I think that's probably going over the line, isn't it? I don't think that's yeah. allowed. Also, he's not going to taste it with his... But I suppose then he'd put his hands in his... He'll touch his mouth, his fingers and yeah. stuff. Um, could you put is... deep heat on his hands? Yeah, but then you can't put deep heat on a child's knob. <laughs> Can you? Even if it is your own. I think that's against the rules, Josh. Yeah, okay. Um, the more you make a thing out of it, they'd want to do it more, don't they? Yeah. I'd say, if he's getting his dick out, we need action. If the dick's down in the pants, but he's just got his hands down his pants, I just think, just hands out your pants. But three and a half, you've got that thing in Kimberly's head. She must be thinking, in a year he's going to school. This needs to be over by that. Yeah, that's the problem, is it? You need to get these things ironed out before school, or he's just going to be called, like, nicknamed Dick Touch or something. That's his name. <laughs> And he's going to be like at uni and go, oh, Dick Touch is coming down for the weekend. Who's Dick Touch? And you go, I don't know, why are you called Dick Touch? He used to touch his dick a lot, stuff like that. So it's yeah. like, you've got to nip it in the bud. But I don't know, because I've only got girls. I just tap out of that and let Lou deal with it. I don't want to be like a 1950s dad. And I'll, you know, I'll talk to girls about anything. But when it comes to them touching their vaginas, I'm tapping out. But then you don't want to be that overly try, try hard dad that's like, hey, I can talk about fannies. What's the problem? <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's, how, how are you feeling about your first period? Sure, I can talk. <laughs> sure, I mean, I don't know if you should be like that or I'm being an old school dad by not getting involved. Knowing the age of your daughters, if you say how are you feeling about your first period, you're going to have to give them a lot of information they don't need at this stage in their lives. That's, that's an early chat, isn't it? That's, I think you got. I think let's wait. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, what did, I just, I, it's a hard one, isn't it? 
Yeah. Uh, or hopefully not, <laughs> ideally. Um, well, <laughs> that's even worse. Do you know what, Rob? I think it shouldn't just be the fannies that you're not allowed to talk about. <laughs> You know what? When it comes to children's genitalia, I'm tapping out. Yeah, I think that's for when the best. When it comes to a strange woman's son's knob, I'm not giving out any advice. <laughs> okay. What Rob Beckett do? Not get involved. Okay. Get on with it. Is case case not closed? Case closed. Case case closed. Fanny's or dicks? I'm not your man. <laughs> we should put that on the uh, on the jingle. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, thank you for all your emails. Um, they are genuinely uh, hugely appreciated. Also, we uh, we get loads, and so there's loads I haven't got to read. We will get through them one day, but keep them coming in. Also, we have a P.O. box number. Yes. What is the P.O. box number, Rob? We've got a P.O. box, so you can send us, send us stuff, maybe kids' artwork or broken toys, broken teddies, stuff that's gone wrong that you want us to look at and talk about, put on um, the social media channels. The address is P.O. Box 76748, London, E99DW. Who have we got next week, Josh? Who are we interviewing? We've got some great ones in the can. That's what they say, isn't it? We've got four great ones in the can. Next week, we have the amazing Russell Kane. I'm not going to lie, Rob. He parents in a different way to me. Eye-opening. He's, he's, uh, he's got his methods and they work. It's just if you're, if you're into them or not. But that, that was fascinating. I love that one. Absolutely brilliant. See you next week. Bye. Hello, I'm Susie Ruffle. I am a comedian, a writer and a cat lady, amongst other things. I am creating a brand new podcast called Out with Susie Ruffle. It is about the lives of LGBT plus people. It will be about realising you're different, coming out, being out in the public eye and finding your place in the world. And it's not just for the queer community. This is for anyone who has ever felt like an outsider. And let's be honest, that's pretty much all of us. The lineup of interviews I've got for the first series is so good. I mean, I've actually surprised myself. I've got an Oscar winner, a BAFTA winner, successful broadcasters, stand-ups, writers, activists and a sports star. But that's not enough for me. I also want stories from you. Why don't you tell me what it was like working out who you are in the world? You can send everything that you want to tell me to hello at outwithsusieruffle.com and you can be anonymous if you like. I can't bloody wait for you to hear it. Subscribe now to Out With Susie Ruffle.